grace and his mercy for us, this is not going to work. Noter. Notice. Held off the rain. So we uh, rejoice in that. I want to welcome every single one of you that are here this morning. Um, I, I just want to thank as well the many people that are involved. I don't think you realize how many people have to be here early to set up all of the sound and bring out all the equipment and the live feed and the canopy. So thank you so much for that. From our security in the back, I don't know if you noticed our SWAT team member, Zeb, keeping you safe at this very moment. We have a body that jumps in and is willing to serve, and we thank the Lord for that. Of all of the motion, of all the activity that I have seen already, as this is all for the Lord, I think this morning I was most thankful to see Mel Hesser up here on the drums as well. Thank you, my brother, Mel. Mel and Michelle and little Ella, we have been praying for you in this journey that you are on, and we love you. Gathered together, why? Like, why we do this? Why this matters? Why corporate worship matters is the theme is the subject that we're going to give attention to this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me before we dive into the Word of God this morning? Let's pray. Father, we are most grateful for who you are. We're grateful for another day that you have woken us up. You have blessed us with the blessing of togetherness. And Lord, we know in your Word it says where two or three are gathered together that you are here with us. And we thank you with, for that truth. We rejoice in that truth. Father, we do just lift up those this morning that have come into your house that has been gathered on a lawn, and their hearts are heavy, their bodies ache, their souls are in need of encouragement and strength. I would pray, Lord, that you'd minister to them. May this be a moment that we mark a time in our lives where we know that we've heard from you. Please, Lord, help me to speak clearly, to speak for your honor and your glory. May you be exalted this morning. We ask this in the amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. For many years, I have sought to develop the habit that my personal quiet time that I have every single day is separate than my study time as far as the text that I am looking at. I've just sought to do that. It's different with different pastors. As I was in my quiet time this week, I was reading totally, totally different place in the book of Judges. And the subject, what I call it, it surfaced again. In Judges chapter 20 and verse 11, it says this, All the men of Israel gathered together, and they were united as one man. There's that subject. Remember I talked about over a thousand times in the Old Testament, talks about gathering together. And I see the body of Christ gathered here this morning. Together, and we, what? We are as one that thought exists throughout Scripture, that idea and that command that what we are doing here is what God desires for us to do. 
The last time, last week we were together, I referred to what I called the arguably the strongest verse in all of Scripture on this subject, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I read it to you. I, I, I read this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. What had happened in the book of Hebrews is people got into the habit of being separated. What has happened over the last 16 months with the global pandemic is that there has actually been bad habits that have been formed in, in people being separated and not together. We begin to look at this verse, do not neglect meeting together what is this about? What exactly does that mean? If we pan back a little bit from Hebrews chapter 10, I know we'll get to 2 Corinthians in a moment. Just think what's happening here. The book of Hebrews is written what? By an author that is unknown. I think it's Apollos. We don't know for certain. Writing primarily to a Jewish audience who were convinced that it was a works-based salvation over faith, or law over grace, or man over Christ. And the overall theme of Hebrews is what? Christ is greater than anyone in anything. Have faith in Christ and encourage other people to do the same. So if we pan back a little bit from Hebrews chapter 10, we read in Hebrews chapter 11 that we are acknowledged as strangers on this land, as exiles on the earth. You see, one of the ideas that we want to make sure is that when you understand that what exists around us, what you see and touch, this is not your home, but rather what? We're strangers moving through, or pilgrims moving through, or exiles that have been exiled to this place for a period of time. When you begin to understand that, you begin to see the importance and the reliance of the church, of one another. That in a sense, what God has given to us when we gather together is a preview of what it's going to be like for all of eternity. Do you realize that? When we gather together, this is a, a portrait of what is to come. Therefore, the church should be an example to the entire society that is around us of what the redeemed look like and how the redeemed act and how we talk. Because this right here is like a practice run for what awaits us in a new heaven and a new earth. I was forced to ask myself this question this week. Does... Big Woods Bible Church. Does it look like a little glimpse of heaven in the way that we connect with one another, support one another, pray for one another, love one another, and keep what? The Lord, the ultimate center of our focus. The study that we're going through this summer is based on, loosely based on a book by Matt Merker. He, he wrote called Corporate Worship, and he gives some subjects briefly and broadly on this text that I want to draw to your attention this morning. The first one is this, as we consider the importance of gathering together. We gather as ambassadors, not as consumers. We gather as ambassadors, not 
as consumers. This is the text that we open up to in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 1 Peter chapter 1 says to those who are the elect, there's that word again, exiles of the dispersion. All of these words tell us what? That the children of God, that's you. As Bill told you earlier and, and challenged you, if you put your faith in Jesus, you are a child of God. The children of God represent the kingdom of God, which means we represent something that is a lot bigger than what we see and touch around us. This is not our home. Therefore, our worship, what we do here, is to to put all of our effort, all of our energy, all of our attention, where? On our Heavenly Father and our eternal home. That's why our goal here is not to seek or to manufacture a warm, tingly feeling based on experience. That's not our goal. You know, big woods at all, there's not going to be a lot of smoke and lights. Okay? It's just not going to exist here. Our goal is to represent our King, King Jesus, as best as we can. To honor Him and to make Him known. Note that whatever we do focuses on what? The Word of God. Not my words, not a man's words. When we read it, we focus on the words of God. When we sing, we sing about what? The works of God. Again, not a lot of emphasis on feeling. It's what? It's emphasizing what we know. What we know the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Now this is hard for us because we live in a society where everything is based upon what? Does this feel good? Does this make me look good? Guess what? You've heard me say this before, but you are not the star of the show. I hate to burst your bubble. I know that Granny said that you are the cutest person in all of the world. You're not the star of the show. Jesus is. Therefore, everything that we do must be based on this question. Does this make Jesus look good? Everything that we sing, everything that we read, everything that we say, does it make Jesus look holy and majestic and triumphant? How many times have you heard and you've read reviews? We live and die by review. Nobody goes out to eat anymore unless you read reviews. So you hear reviews about when you're shopping for a church. Yeah, the the music was good, but it was kind of loud. Preaching was okay, but kind of long. Kids ministry, okay. Nice facilities, clean bathrooms. All those things are important. I'm not neglecting that. But our search for any type of corporate worship is based on one question. Is Jesus Christ magnified? And is that truth evident in everything that we say and everything that we do? Number two, we don't go to church to worship. We worship because we are the church. 
We don't go to church just for this moment. We are the church. We know that the church is not a building. Neither is what? Neither is the church an event. For 60 minutes on Sunday morning. If you think it's an event, then you very quickly fall into what? This me-centered mindset. How was I served? I noticed that only three people greeted me on Sunday, and only one of them looked me right in the eye. I don't know about that. That's only a two-star. I wasn't really given enough time to turn to the text before that, that guy started speaking. That, that's like a one and a half right there. He knocked off. I'm not real comfortable with this whole gathering thing, like this gathering thing. I'm pretty much certain that not everyone's been vaccinated here. I'm not real comfortable with this. Let's be honest. Your reviews don't really matter. Sorry. Your rating doesn't really matter. Why? Because all of those things are second to a higher authority. So when we read in this book, go, go and make disciples. We read in this book, preach the word. We read in this book, love one another. Not love those that you don't like to hang with. When we read in this book, what? Forgive one another. When we read in this book, stir up. Good works. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. These are important things that count, that matter. Thankfully, praise God that He has given to us help in keeping these priorities in place. And you know what the help is that God has given to us? Not only His Word and His Spirit, but He's given to us one another. We need to join together because that's who we are. It's already mentioned today that after our service, 13 people will gather for a new members class. And that's really important. We learn about the history of Big Woods. We learn about our belief system, our doctrine, what we teach. We learn about the importance and the level of commitment. But I believe... The most important part of any membership class is that we are brought back together again and we commit to one another to do one thing. Show up. That's what we commit ourselves to. That's what church members do. We show up. Now we know, and you understand this, you're not going to get a better parking spot in heaven because you have a church membership. We know that. But, but it will make your life a whole lot better as you are en route to heaven. And notice that I didn't say it's going to make it easier. It's going to make it better because you know that you're not doing it alone. What makes our life easier is what? What people want to do all over the place. Sit in your Adirondack chair, sip your iced tea, and watch people who are stuck in the mud spinning their tires. That's easy. Anyone can do that. But the better route, the joy-filled route, 
the God-honoring root, the Christ-exalting root, is when we see someone stuck and we get up and we get in the mud with them and help them what? Push. That's what the church does. You see, when we gather together, something big is happening here. We worship together. We make visible to everyone around us. The whole community knows that we gather. What, at the same place and the same time? Because our corporate reliance upon the Lord first, and our, what, corporate reliance upon one another second is most important. Look to the people that are on your left. You can do that. You can like turn your head. See the people over your left? Look to the people that are on your right. And we can say out loud together, I need you in my life. Can you say that? I need you in my life. I need you in my life. Number three, we don't come up with our own plan. Everything that we do in worship comes from Scripture. Have you ever wondered this for a moment? Like, how did we get here? Like, like you're sitting on a chair and a lawn on a Sunday morning doing what we do. How did we get here doing this? Who thought up this idea? So what happens? Let's get up on Sunday morning when the rest of the world says it's just a day to sleep in. And some wake up really early to make all of this happen. And instead of racing off to the lake, instead of getting up and seeing it as a day of, of just turn off and racing to the park or to the ball game, hey, I got an idea. Let's all get together and we're going to sing. Like, who came up with this idea? I got an idea. Let's get up early on Sunday morning. We're going to sit in chairs, and we're going to listen to a guy talk. Who came up with this idea? I know we can do. Get up early on Sunday morning, and we're going to bring our offerings, and we're going to take hard-earned money, and we're just going to give it away to what the Lord desires to do with it. You step back from what you're doing, and you're like, wow, who came up? Talk about fun! Can I make something very clear? Very, very clear here this morning. It may be obvious to some, but it's probably not to everyone. I didn't come up with this idea. The elders didn't sit around the conference room table and say, hey, got an idea. They, they didn't come up with this idea. You realize that our ancestors didn't come up with this idea. You realize that the church fathers didn't come up with this idea. The apostles themselves didn't even come up with this idea. Whose idea was this? God came up with it. The one who who knitted you together in your mother's womb, who spoke all of this into existence. 
It's His idea that we do this. I began earlier with what? Where two or three are gathered together. Jesus said, I'm with you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, When you gather together. It's not, not if you do, this is what we do. More than a thousand references in the Old Testament. Get everyone together. The men, the women, the little ones, even the strangers. Go find them. Bring them all together. Now think about this. If the Lord is calling us to gather together, the Lord is going to tell us what to do when we get together. Did you ever arrive at a really bad, poorly planned party before? Yeah? You have. And, and you, you dress up, and you arrive on time, and it's very obvious this is a, a bad plan. Nobody really knows who's in charge. And you just kind of wander around, and you mingle around. No one really knows what's going on. Talk about zero fun party. It's awkward. It's confusing. And it's the parties that you and I always leave early. It's a waste of time. Because nobody's in charge. Nobody's calling the shots. Think about this. As God himself has set our objective, as God himself has set our agenda, we are quickly reminded. We are to represent him, his kingdom, not our own, not ourselves. Think about this. If we represent another kingdom, we are reminded that we are ambassadors. And ambassadors do not ever set government policy. Ambassadors just execute it. Which means what? Similarly, we don't write the script for what we do. We were never supposed to. We obey the orders that the king, King Jesus, has given. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 96, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all of the earth. It says in Ephesians 5, We address one another in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. Do you realize that's why we sing? Because the Word of God calls us to sing. Proverbs says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Malachi chapter 3 says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of the host. I, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You realize that's why we give our hard-earned money to the Lord, because of what the Word of God tells us. That's the command of the King. Are you faithful in your singing? Or do you mumble the words, fearful that you may be off tune like Daniel and I? Romans chapter 10 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Romans chapter 10 says what? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. That's why we listen. You don't turn off when the guy steps up front. You lean in and listen. How are you doing in preparing your heart to receive what? This little nugget of truth. Every single Sunday. 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, When you come together, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, as we will do together next week, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Five times, five times in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says when he gathers together, when he gathers together, when he gathers together, we remember the Lord's table. That's why we celebrate the Lord's table. That's why we commemorate the Lord's table. Because the king has simply given us commands to obey. We didn't come up with this. Fourthly and finally, we worship to exemplify the culture of God's kingdom and declare heavenly truths. We worship to exemplify the culture of God's kingdom and declare heavenly truths. A culture is what? What is a culture? Remember it in class. It's defined as the customs, the behaviors of a particular nation, of a particular people or social group. Have you ever been in a culture before that you just feel like it's a total, total miss? Like, yeah, something's not right. I don't really belong here. I've told you when I traveled to northern India and was there for three weeks to train church planters. It was in a very hostile area, a very uh, region that was clearly and markedly opposed to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus. One of the first days that we were there, we, we gathered with a group of believers couldn't understand a thing that the man was preaching about. It was in another language. And yet there was something unique that took place. After church, I, I pulled someone aside who, who knew a little bit of broken English. And I said, can, can you help me out? How do I connect with, with these people that are around me? How do I greet them? And the man very graciously said, well, what you do... Pastor Tim, as you put your hands together like this and, and you bow as a greeting and you say, Jim, you say, Jim, you say. I was automatically in. Like, I was automatically connected. What I didn't realize is that we were gathered in one city. Uh, the city was Siligree. A couple days later, we were moved further south to another town called Jelpegria, and they were even more hostile toward the gospel. But I had an in. I was given a greeting that automatically would identify me with those around, right? And so wherever I went, when people kind of gave me a dirty look, like, what's that guy doing here? I would just smile. Jimmy say. Jimmy say. Every single time. And, and the looks actually got worse. And, and after a day or two of greeting everyone I knew in that particular city of Jabegra, Jimmy say, like, it was... It was increasingly becoming more awkward. 
And I, I pulled one of my translators aside. I said, something, something broke here. Like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing here. Like, I'm trying to really connect with the culture. I know I don't look like them and don't fit in, but I'm trying. He said, what are you doing? I, I said, well, I put my hands together and, and I do this. And I say, Jim, you say. He said, Pastor, did you hear that in the other city that we were in? I said, yes. He said, did you hear that when you were gathered together in the church? And I, and I said, well, yes, I did. He said, you realize what you're going around to everyone in the entire city? Saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jim, you say. I had no, I had no idea. Why? Because we're in a culture where it's a total miss. Even trying to connect, it's a miss. Realize that the culture of God's kingdom, the culture of the local church, has always been, and you've gotten weird looks from people when you tell them that you go to church on Sunday morning, that the culture of God's people is always out of place. Because it runs counter. It runs separate from any other culture. While at the same time, our culture has what? Within has always remained the same. Doesn't matter about what country you go to. Doesn't matter what language, what style or setting. The outside things may differ, but what happens within the context of God's people is always the same. In a sense, it's a culture within a culture. You're in the world, but not of the world. Jesus Christ himself says, my kingdom is not of this world. The church gathered together may look different. The church gathered together may look different from culture to culture or country to country. Based on what? The style of music. That may differ. The type of bread that they may use for communion. But regardless of where you travel... I've experienced this firsthand on numerous occasions. When you connect with brothers and sisters in Christ, you very quickly realize the church, those gathered, are, are countercultural. Therefore, our worship services should seek to be that as well. It means that you and I are unique from the culture that exists around us. After all, we're all what? We're exiles. This is not our home. Think of it like this. This is our outpost. This is our outpost. Which means you have a home, and you get up and you leave your home in order to do a job, in order to go to work. But we know what? The trip is a long trip. The journey is a hard journey. The enemy is dangerous. Therefore, what do we need? We need an outpost. What is an outpost? It's a place where, where it's safe for us to gather. An outpost is a place for us to rest, catch our breath. An outpost is a place for us to recharge, to refresh our supplies for the journey to continue on. An outpost is a place for us to gather and ask questions. Like, you do understand what your job is, right? You have everything you need. An outpost is what? A place where we clarify our job description. You seem a little blurry-eyed. You seem a little confused. You do understand where you're going, right? You, still under, you do understand what you're supposed to do, correct? 
And then what happens from your outpost? You don't stay in your outpost. You get going from there. Get what you need and get on with the job that God has called us to. It doesn't matter about our country. It doesn't matter about our language. It doesn't matter about our setting or our context. It doesn't even matter what generation or time frame that the church of Jesus Christ finds themselves in. When the people of God gather together, we do the thing that God wants us to do. A great little book was written, Alan Noble. It's called A Disruptive Witness. Speaking truth in a distracted age. Listen to this. See if, if this resonates a little bit. He says that we declare our pledge of allegiance in our doctrine. He says what? We sing the national anthem in our songs of the gospel. We teach our constitution in our preaching. We issue passports when we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We feed and we feast when we take the Lord's Supper. Noble writes, we disrupt the prevailing culture of our age and disciple believers in the culture of the King. Which means what? It's kingdom truth. Heavenly truth is to be spoken, even if it's hard truth. And it is hard truth. What is it? There's one God. Not like a false work that is literally on the other side of the river. In earshot that says there's many gods. Worship with any form that you want. No, there's one true God. That's truth. We teach kingdom truth that says what? We are all sinners, every single one of us. You don't have to dig real hard. You don't have to search real long to know that fact. Hard truth is what? There's actually judgment as a result of sin. There's judgment for my sin. We also know that what? There's one Savior. There's one Savior whose name is Jesus who rescues us from our sin through the work that was accomplished on the cross and in the tomb. You know that there is atonement for our sins that have been made. We preach truth that what faith is needed on this. It's not going to be visible on paper. It's not going to make sense. Faith is demanded. We know that sincerity is an absolute must. You can't fool God. Don't show up here to impress other people. It's hard truth to say that what? Repentance is required. You can't mumble some words under your breath. Forgive me and keep living the same way and expect salvation. It doesn't work like that. Repentance is required. Turning from your sin and walking towards the Lord in pursuit of holiness. It's hard truth. That doesn't sound well. We know that holiness is our goal. Do, do you personally know these truths? We're to speak them. Do, do you live these truths and declare them with accuracy and clarity and relevancy? That's what God has called us to do. Thankfully, thankfully, 
you realize that a means of strength has been given to us. A means of encouragement has been given to us. Means of refreshment has been given to us. And it is what? It is the church that is gathered. Because when we gather, the presence of God is in our midst. It is the ultimate, extraordinary outpost to prepare us for the mission, the task that God has called us to. May you be reminded every single time that alarm clock goes off on a Sunday morning what you are gathering to do and who you are gathering for. Father, we love you. We thank you for your truth from the word of the gospel of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that everything that we do is from you and for you. Lord, we confess, I confess, that sometimes we put ourselves in places that we should not be and we see ourselves as the star of the show. Help us to realize, Lord, that what, what you're doing amongst us is for our, our good and for your glory. May we be faithful to that task. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.